Welcome to a special offering by Conversations with a Wounded Healer, the Burnt Out Practice Owner. This series will discuss the current state of group practice ownership, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll hear current and former practice owners' tales of glory and woe as we attempt to answer the ultimate question, why do we do this to ourselves? And we want to hear from you too. What have been your biggest moments of struggle or triumph? What are questions you want us to explore? I'm your host, Sarah Bueno. I owned and operated my practice Head Heart Therapy for 10 years before selling in 2023. Ownership was an equally grueling and rewarding experience for me, and I now spend my time helping current practice owners find balance for themselves. Join us between releases of Conversations with a Wounded Healer for this special series. Hello, friends, and welcome to another iteration of the Burnt Out Practice Owner Series. Thank you for being here with me. My name is Sarah Bueno, and I'm excited to go on this journey with you today. Today's guest is somebody that a lot of people in the group practice space know very well, so I'm very, very excited to have sat down with her. Before I go into her bio and whatnot, I just wanted to share that I really, 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 really want to hear from listeners. The reason that I'm doing this podcast series in the first place is because I think it's very right now. I'm seeing a lot of people struggling in the practice owner space. I'm also seeing employees struggling in group practice right now. So I want to hear from you. So shoot me an email. You can email me at sarah at headheartbiztherapy.com. You can also send me a DM on Instagram. That's a really excellent way to get in touch with me. I want to know what you want us to be talking about on here. I want to know what questions you have. I want to know what issues you have. Like seriously, if you're a group practice owner, I want to hear from you. But also if you're an employee and you're like, this shit is fucked up. I don't understand why this happens. Please send me that message because I want to talk about it. So Please, please, let's do this. Let's all do this together because we are doing it together. It's just we're fighting each other and or we're annoyed with each other right now. So I'd much rather I'll just have a conversation about it. But let me have you enjoy this conversation that I had with Maureen Werbach. So Maureen Werbach, LCPC, is a visionary entrepreneur in the mental health field. As the owner of Urban Wellness, a multi-location group practice in the Chicago area, she knows firsthand the focus healthcare providers put on making a positive impact in the world. She also knows that many healthcare professionals put business second to boots on the ground helping in the community. Maureen shares her expertise in the group practice leadership by coaching, educating, and training group practice owners as the owner of the Group Practice Exchange, and she helps group practice owners learn how to successfully start and scale their business so they can have a larger impact on their communities. So Maureen and I got, I think we got pretty vulnerable in this episode, and there might be some things in here that you are like, ooh, I didn't know that. So enjoy the episode, and then tell me what you think. Maureen! Hey! (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Burnt Out Practice Owner Series. How are ya? I'm doing really well today and also excited to talk about being a burnt out group practice owner. Wee! And I just, I didn't comment before we started, but I love your background. Oh, thank you. My basement is my, if I turn my computer around, it's my craft studio. And so sometimes I work down here because then in between work stuff, I can like do some, you know, make a pair of earrings and then go back to work. I love kind of going back and forth. But behind me is all artwork that either I've drawn or purchased from local BIPOC or queer artists in the Chicago Oh, I love it. 
Amazing. Well, maybe you'll have to give me some links to stuff and we can put Ooh, them in the okay. show notes. I'll totally do that. Yeah. And we will show videos on Instagram. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, sorry, you can't see, but you can look at the links. Okay. So <laughs> you want to introduce yourself? Tell people like what you're doing in the world? Yeah. I'm Maureen Werbach. I am a group practice owner. I have a group practice in Chicago that I've had for uh, since 2012. So however many years that would make it in 2024, but over 10. And I also own the group practice exchange, which I have had since 2015. And that's really like a space to help group practice owners in kind of a consulting space, helping them kind of get to a space where they're a visionary and having teams that really help support them in their group practice so that they can step back a little bit. Yeah. And now you said you're offering space for people who are looking to step more into a visionary role and talk about the magazine, The Visionary. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. have it down here. Otherwise, I would, I would I hold wait. it up for yes. the It's right for here. It's right here. Whee! Yay! Yeah. So as I kind of mentioned in the beginning with crafting, I am a creative and realized that I needed to find a way to bring my creative self back into my businesses. And so one of the ways that I have done it is by starting like a physical magazine. I just love the idea of like having magazines in my hand. I, I, you know, I get subscriptions to National Geographic. Whenever I fly, I have to go into, you know, one of the stores in the mm. airport to get magazines. I just love the feel of kind of just turning the pages. And I'm also just so done with opening emails to read things. And so yeah. I thought, what a cool way to help group practice owners really understand what it means to be a visionary and also get other group practice owners who are really sitting in that role to share you know, their expertise in that magazine too. So yeah, my first issue just came out this month. Yes. And it's so rad. So, and you can get it online for people who are not tired of yes. seeing things online, but truly, I mean, it's a beautiful little magazine. It's very yeah. well done. It's very high quality. Yeah. I love it. We have a local company here in Chicago that makes it for us. And I, I love the digital version too, because I paid a little extra to use this platform called Issue, which turns it into a flip book. So anyone who signed yeah. up for digital, it's like a, it feels like you're turning the pages, but digitally. That's awesome. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about the visionary sort of role for a second, because I, at least I know a lot of the practice owners that I see complaining about being burnt out are not really in that visionary space. They're in sort of like the day-to-day -day slog of it. So yeah. yeah, share a little bit more about what, what you think about that. You know, one of the antidotes to feeling burnt out as a group practice owner is stepping into the visionary role. Also, obviously, there are those that really have just kind of lived the life cycle of their business and maybe, you know, are really ready to move on. But oftentimes it's because they, like you said, they're just in the weeds, in the day-to-day, -day, putting out fires. And, you know, obviously as a business grows, there's just so many elements to it. And so really people tend to, we all are visionaries. The, the whole idea of starting a business is a visionary idea and it's an important role or hat that we should wear. But oftentimes it's the one that we don't use nearly enough as we should because visionary work doesn't have like a to-do list really. It doesn't have like right. an easy way to feel like I have uh, fixed <laughs> issue. And so a lot of times it gets put on the back burner. Right. I have a vision today. Yes. <laughs> so it gets put on the back burner. But yeah. essentially like what a visionary does is they're like the ideas generator. They are figuring out like what the practice culture is and they're kind of the starting point for ensuring that everyone understands that culture. But then creating things that align with the, the values and the vision of the business. Because as you know, and probably as those listening know, is that over the course of 
the years, like how we engage as therapists or run businesses change. You know, we saw it just through mm-hmm. COVID, how we, how we run our businesses. We had to make pivots that are still affect us now as business owners and have sort of changed what employees want and changed it, like how we need to offer benefits and such to people. And so one of the biggest things I think visionaries should be doing is really looking at what is it that is coming down the pipeline, like doing some forecasting, reading into like what are some trends that are coming through in other neighboring industries so that we don't sort of get hit in the face like we did with COVID. Obviously, something like that is hard to, you know, see coming. But Astrologers knew it, though. (laughs) That's right. But there are a lot of things related to insurance and related to online tech companies and all these other things that have been coming along for a long time. And it's if we can sit into that visionary role of doing research and just Googling and looking up what's happening. Why are insurance companies more invested in group practices these days, realizing that there's really clear reasons for it and what that impact can be on us is how we learn how to you know, position our businesses in a space that when those things do happen, we're still, you know, able to stay afloat. And so that's essentially the visionary role is the thinking. I always think of it as like the thinking role. Mm-hmm. Well, and I too also just want to add in, because I think not only what you're talking about in terms of like the practicalities with like insurance and and these sorts of trends, but truly like understanding the cycles of history, understanding like the cycles of human beings and how we evolve, because what's happening right now makes complete sense if you're a student of history, right? Like astrologers have been predicting for like the next eight to 10 years, shit is going to be fucked up. So like if you're aware that that's coming, then you might make different decisions Mm -hmm. than if you're like, it's going to get better next year because I don't know that it is in the near future anyway. Yeah. Agreed. So I think that's what's creating a burnout for a lot of people is that they're working too much inside their business and not doing, I always find that the visionary role is the, the fun role. It's really what got us started in the business was having this vision. And so being able to step back into that is nobody can replace us in that role. And all the other roles that we play as group practice owners, we can be easily replaced with someone else who can probably do it better than us. Right. But the vision, not. Well, let me challenge you on this because I'm thinking about, I don't know, and this might, it, it's going to sound shitty when I first say it, but I'll unpack it. Yeah. I don't know that everyone who starts a group practice is a visionary. I will agree with you. Yeah. And I say that not to, not to like, this isn't putting anybody down, but I think that's also maybe part of an indicator of whether this is the role for you or not. Right. Like when I have people come to me now, I tell them the first question is why? Why yeah. do you want to start a group practice? Because I went into it for the wrong reasons. It was really truly codependency that made me start it and just like, eh, sure, I think I can do this. So I really want people to like know what they're getting into. And I also say like, do you want to be a manager? Because that's what you're going to be doing at least for five, five years, right? Yeah, Until you like right. can build up a, and depending on the size, whatever, but build up a, a leadership team. And not everybody has that desire to, yeah. I think, like leave a mark in that way. Some people like to be just a worker bee and do their shit. And yeah. we need all those worker bees too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the, you make a good point is that those that aren't, uh, especially for single owner group practices, if they can't step into that visionary, someone needs to be in it. It just is that most often it's the group practice owner. And if not, it is usually because there's a misalignment and they may have gotten into it for mm-hmm. a reason that they realize 
you know, they've lived that lived that out yeah. in the year to three years that they had the practice. The other situation I will say is with dual owners, there's usually one who does feel more like they fit into that visionary role where the other mm. one is more in that integrator, which is like the boots mm-hmm. on the ground, making sure all the departments and, and people are flowing together. So I guess that's the other caveat is with dual owners, usually there's one that may not feel as much as a visionary and more of that kind of integrator support people person. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, yeah, it it really, it takes both. And yeah. I think it is a rare person that can really do both of those well. Yeah, yeah. And not be burnt out. Like, honestly, though, I mean, I'd love to hear your answer to this question. I'm, I find it hard for anybody owning a business right now to not have some level of burnout because the world is on fire. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It just, yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's the, the case especially if you're an, you know, a liberation, anti-oppression focused person. I don't know how you can be operating any sort of business without feeling some level of burnout just over everything that's that's going on. So yeah. Yeah. That is true. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about not having space to step into a visionary role. What are some other things that you see that are leading owners into burnout that maybe they can pivot a little bit? They're working too much. They're seeing too many clients while trying to manage and hire and onboard and train, potentially still doing intakes or billing, payroll, all of that. I think it was for me was I had my first and only bout of burnout right before COVID, a year before COVID. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, I am going to take a month off and go to Costa Rica. And I lived in Costa Rica for a month and thought I literally did no work in either business. And I came home and immediately was back to one day in Mm -hmm. to the pre-Costa Rica. And I was like, what? What in the world? I literally did nothing. I enjoyed myself. I relaxed. I read. I I don't understand. And I was in that burnout place for, I mean, probably eight or so months ago. I've slowly kind of gotten out of it, but it was a couple of years. I mean, it was the year before COVID all the way through like beginning of 2023. And so what I found for me was that the weight, just the way I think I made the weight of the businesses, I have a kind of big business. I wasn't doing that much. So I was also confused. Like, why is it that I'm feeling so burnt out when I am not working 50 plus hours a day? Yes. I have a great leadership team. Things are pretty manageable. I, it, it just doesn't make sense. Yes. And there were a few different things that I did personally that helped. One was just re-looking at values. I felt like with the way the leadership team was kind of working with me, I needed to be a little bit more clear on accountabilities and not keep so much of that visionary stuff in my head, but bring it out to our leadership team mm-hmm. in a clearer way. Yeah. That helped. Also, you know, allowing my, I brought in a person who became my integrator about two years ago. And it took about a full year for Dana to like fully step into the position of integrator, which means she manages literally everything in the business. Yeah. Yeah. She's an executive director. So she makes sure that the departments are cohesive. She's making sure manuals are being updated. I mean, dealing with anything that happens so I can really sit in visionary. And that was what really kind of let that burnout start to fizzle out. Yeah. But man, it took a long time. (laughs) Well, the weight, like I want to spend a little time with that because that, and I think I've said this on, on this series before that when, (laughs) when Raelle bought the practice for me, cause I'd been telling her, I'd been like, 
the weight. You don't understand. And she's like, I understand. I've been, you know, because she's that she was that executive director role, like actually doing everything while I had been stepping back. Mm -hmm. And it was literally when the papers got signed and she like took the energetic hold of it. She's like, I get it now. And it was so validating to me. Yeah. Oh, that's so (laughs) awesome that you got that. I know we don't always. It's so weird because it's like I don't love the idea of viewing your business as your baby. And I know we all do it, at least in the beginning, right? It feels like an extension of us. But I worked really hard in the one decade plus that I've had my group practice to really be able to separate me as a human from the business. And if someone doesn't like working in the business, it doesn't mean it reflects on me as a bad person or things like that. But Mm -hmm. there is still something about knowing no matter how many people you have to support you at the end of the day it does fall on you. Yeah. And for me, it's like this invisible weight of weirdly like nothing and everything at once. Right. And so I can understand like with Rael, she is a part of being in charge of all that and like taking on a lot of the responsibilities. But the moment you you know that you're like the end of the line for something, you know, at least she knew that you were the end of the line. If things fell apart, you know, right. she could look to you, but not anymore. And I'm I'm sure that played a role in that feeling. Right. Absolutely. And this is one of the pieces that if I could wave a magic wand, I would love for employees to just not even appreciate, but just to understand that piece because it's so different. Like I've talked to other people who have been like, you know, really high managers in a large company. And the difference between it being you at the end of the day, who is the only one left holding the bag, And then still being able to blame like, well, you know, the CEO is making all that money, but, you know, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, and it's, there seems to be, because, you know, we've got a hullabaloo right now happening, at least in the Chicago groups, and I'm sure everywhere else about all employees really thinking they're being exploited financially when, you know, all of us who have done this for a while know the numbers and we know this is not exploitation. This is like, this is just simple math. And I know it feels like you're giving away, you know, 40, 50% of your income, but this is what it takes to run a business. And I feel like there's something about the, it's like you're too close to the person who runs the business. Right. And then you have like these expectations of them to care for you, but you don't understand what they're holding on the other side. And like, and I know that's unreasonable, right? It's not an employee's job, but exactly. it's a wish that I have <laughs> for Same. practice owners. I know. I, I completely agree with you on that. It would be a lovely thing if we could wave that magic wand. And also I can you know, hold those two things together and know that I can't expect that from them and that it's on me to hold that weight as well of yeah. expectations that or resentments or negative views that people might have and just know you know, that it's, if I feel like I'm a good person and a good leader and trying my best, that those feelings or assumptions don't define who I am. And it can be great pieces of information to look in on. Is there anything that I can't actually work on? I think you're better at compartmentalizing than I am because I couldn't, I never got there. And I think, so do you know the Enneagram at all? Yes. I'm a three. I'm a three, bitch. We should have the same problems. Well, I, maybe I say it. I know I feel what you're saying. But I think I'm really lucky. I'm I'm autistic. So I have like this part of my brain Uh, that literally is like what I'm feeling is like, I get it. You know, it's valid. Feel what you feel. But then I'm like, the logical brain knows that they're missing pieces of information. It doesn't stop the feeling from happening. But I, I tend to like be very 
like rationale based versus sitting in the emotions part. Okay. Well, actually, and you know what? You're probably more representative of a three because threes do tend to be less connected to their emotions. Yeah. So if you if you haven't taken the Enneagram and you're a business owner, go take it right now because I think it can be a huge help in sort of figuring out how you see yourself and then you know where your traps are. So do you know the subtypes? I can literally look at my phone in one second. Okay, yeah. Because I'm I'm a self-preservation three and the self-preservation is basically the counter type. So everybody thinks I'm a seven. So when they look at me, they think that I'm something else because I feel my emotions so readily. But most people who are threes are disconnected, and that's like the last thing that gets to them. I'm a three eight. That makes so much sense. I'm a challenger is my second. Well, yes. But the subtypes are either social, sexual, or self-preservation. Where would it be? So, that, yeah, the test doesn't tell you that one. Oh, darn. Okay. Then I don't know. I'm a type three, and my second is an eight. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a three, seven, eight. Yeah. And sometimes a one. But yeah, okay. So that makes total that and that honestly it makes me feel better because sometimes I hear you talk on podcasts and I'm like, but girl, this hurts. Yeah. <laughs> How does this not hurt your feelings? Well, it hurts my feelings all the time. I also want to say that I am very lucky that my mom works for me since she retired from the airline. She was a supervisor and does like my payroll and all that for maybe nine years now out of the 12 or so that I've had the business. And so she sees so much that gets effort that I put in on trying to make since, you know, for a lot, a lot of years now to make things as, you know, I really focus on how I can do best for my employees. I always think I don't even mm-hmm. care about clients. I care about the employees. I feel like if the employees are yeah. taken care of, it trickles down to clients. Yes, exactly. And so sometimes she'll give me validation that's helpful. It's like, you, mm. I know you see it. Now, obviously she's my mom. But um, she does see it, you know? And then my integrator, my executive director, she's been friends with me since first grade. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, She was actually an intern at my group practice because she she was a little bit behind. I don't think she went straight to grad school after. So she interned at my practice. Then she was a clinician. I mean, she's been with me for 10 years now. Clinician. Then she was a site supervisor. And then she became executive director. And then got this integrator role. So she's kind of grown for years. And she's, I mean, she has access to my bank accounts, like the full amount of trust. And so she's a person that wants to protect like my emotional side at all the costs for it. So that's been helpful too. So I don't want to say that I'm like completely non-emotional about it. I just, the minute it kind of comes in, I have her or my mom. And then I also take my rational brain and go, you're doing all that you can. Like you're literally doing all you can. Yeah. Then I have those moments of being like, I should just sell. Yeah. <laughs> if this is what it, if this is what it's going to be, then I should sell. So I want to, you know, normalize that too. For someone who's had a business for so long, I still have moments where I'm like, why? Why am I doing this still? Yeah. And honestly, Maureen, I think that everybody listening to this is going to take a big sigh of relief because a lot of people compare themselves to you. Yeah. And I know that that's a lot of pressure, right? So the authenticity of really being like, it's not that easy. I still am through this and this is my support system. That's thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for saying that. I always find it interesting that people want to know, you know, my opinions on these things. I, I always see myself as like this, you know, purple haired, tattooed, very small, very young looking, you know, person who literally just kind of winged it this whole time. I make so many mistakes constantly. Yeah. You know, and so where I am is mainly off of a whole shit ton of mistakes. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that once you get to a certain point, and this is part of our culture right now, like I was talking to Gabrielle, who's the the last practice owner that her episode just came out. And 
when I first saw her website, Danielle had introduced me to her, Danielle Kepler. And I looked at her website and I'm like, well, clearly she has it all figured out and she's doing something really well that I don't know what I'm doing. And then she and I had a conversation and she's like, girl, I know nothing. And I'm like, why are we doing this? Why do we keep making everything look so pretty and shiny and perfect when really we're just all fumbling along? Yeah. I try to try to be honest. Whenever someone brings it up, I'm like, oh, please don't. I will give any feedback I can on, yeah. on like what's worked for me, but also what has worked, like what's gotten me to this point came with a lot of mistakes and pain and hard conversations and, you know, all of those things. So yeah. Yeah. Being a business owner is no joke. <laughs> yeah, it isn't. And I guess the other thing too, you know, thinking about just like the types of people or the the sorts of things that bring us to this is most at least I find most people who go into practice ownership aren't thinking about being a business owner. Yeah. It seems like maybe 10 to 20% of those like, you know, real serious Capricorns that are like, yes, I know I'm going to be a fabulous business person, but everybody else is like, I just want to make more money. So, you know, there, yeah, there's so many things that nobody thinks about. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, one of the things I love the most is the creative side that we get to have with business ownership. Mm -hmm. But the most difficult part, and I think the part that, you know, created the burnout for me is the people part. Yeah. Leading people is hard. Why? This is a really loaded question. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm scared. Why? Why are therapists so fucking impossible to manage? What's wrong with us? I know. I will double down to say, I think, you know, I used to think this about like, why are therapists like, we're the worst in some ways. But then I'm like dealing with group practice owners all the time too. I'm like, also yeah. group practice owners are not all that great either, you know? Yeah. And so I think it's just the more you're around something, the more you see, you know, yeah. how much crap there is but there's crap in all of it i think of my ex-husband's a teacher and he talks about all the teachers that he's like i yeah. cannot believe they're allowed to teach and i'm like there's the same in the therapy world yeah I mean, it's so hard when i find therapists for my for myself or for my kids i'm nine times out of ten i'm like oh it's gonna be so hard to find a good one like right and then when working with group practice owners a lot of i'm you know lucky enough to be getting into spaces where i'm really values aligned and the right people are coming in but for a long time as a coach I was just like, you, you should not own a group practice. Like yeah. you are going to be causing harm to your employees. Yeah. You have entitled thought processes. Yep. You're wanting to, you know, all these things. And so for those that are really trying to, you know, do good work and help their communities and, and create jobs that are like important and where people feel valued, I think that's really hard to do. Yeah. And it's not a, a job that gets a lot of thanks for it. Same as like therapists. I don't think, you know, therapists get as many thank you for helping me from clients as they probably want. And I think we're in the same boat as business owners. You just need to not expect it. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because now that I think about it, I never expect or want a thank you from my clients, but I did with my employees. I don't yeah. know what it was about that difference, but very quick question. Yeah. What is harder, being a mother or being a business owner? Oh, a business owner. Mm. Yeah. I feel, I don't even know how to say, like having my kid, I have, you know, an autistic child. I have a child with ADHD. You know, we all have our things, but there's something so I feel not scared. I feel scared about the outside world with my kids, but I mm -hmm. don't feel scared about who I am as a parent. And mm -hmm. I think similar to like my business owner brain, I can rationalize like I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to accept feedback. There's something with my kids that like 
I don't feel like this hierarchical like thinking where, you know, what I say and how I feel like is more important than theirs. And so mm-hmm. it just, they are really kind when I've done something wrong and they'll let me know and we have conversations. And so it's not hard, mm. luckily for me. I mean, there's hard, you know, things about parenting kids, but emotionally, yeah. the type of emotional hard is more like my heart. Like I want everything to be good for them. I want to give them yeah. as much as I can. I want them to be safe. You know, those that's hard. But having employees is hard because they're, they don't love you. <laughs> you know, right. right. Well, they're not going to cuddle with you at the end no, of the day. Or if they do, gonna... you should not be doing that. <laughs> right. And I don't think a lot of employees assume like the best intention or, or positivity, yeah. assuming like, you know, if a decision is being made, yeah. like that it's coming from a good place yeah. or at least enough to then ask about it. Right. I think there's a lot of assumptions that things are coming from a negative place, which I understand like our, yeah. the U.S. workforce, like fucking sucks. And they're coming from, you know, we're not getting people without any previous history with like other bad employment or schooling or, you know. And so that's what I have to remind myself of when those things happen. It's like, it's not about me. Sometimes it might be about me and I can make fixes, but nine times out of 10, if I'm really working hard, it's not about me, those opinions. That doesn't mean it doesn't hurt nonetheless. Yeah. 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 Thanks for confirming. And I made the wrong choice. I was like, I'm not going to have kids because I don't want to go through all the pain that I ended up putting myself through as a business owner. So I got, universe screwed me anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. You got to, maybe this should be the question you ask any person on the burnt out series here who has kids, which is harder. Because I would love to know is if this is just a me thing or if this is a common thread. I mean, I've asked other people before. Yeah. Yeah. And they've said that business ownership. Yeah. So harder. Okay. It tracks. Yep. Okay, good. Good to know. Good data. Well, let's leave listeners with, do you have a wish? Do you have a hope for practice owners? My hope is for everyone to be able to get to a mindset of acceptance Mm -hmm. that our employees, not all of them, are going to assume the best. Um, I was Mm -hmm. just talking to someone who she owns a yoga studio, not a group practice owner, but she gave everyone bonuses and not one person like said anything. And she's like, she was so hard and da da da. And it like was like financially not the easiest thing. And she's like, not one person said something. Mm -hmm. And like my rational brain goes, don't do something with the expectation of something in return. But the emotional part of me would be like, oh that that fucking sucks. I would be like, that hurts. Like, hello guys, did you guys see that extra money in your paycheck? Like so my I guess my wish or my hope would be that whatever magic voodoo needs to happen for all of us to be able to feel like secure in ourselves and confident and really believe that we're doing good in the world, despite what anything else might trickle on around us. That would be my hope Mm -hmm. because I feel like that plays a big role in burnout and is sometimes a driver of bad decision making too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I hope this podcast can be that for some folks is, you know, just recognizing this is part of it. This is how it goes. You're not a terrible person if this is what's happening in your practice. We're we're demystifying all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here. Where can people find you? What do you, what are you offering right now? What do you want people to sign up for? What I want to say is my magazine. I'm having so much fun with it. I'd love to get it in more people's hands. So the Visionary Magazine would be my thing. And if you go to the thegrouppracticeexchange.com, it's right on the homepage, like a little box right in the front there. So it's hard to miss. Cool. And then you get to read what I wrote in there too. Yay! Yay! <laughs> That's right. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the special Burnt Out Practice Owner series. 
If you want more information about today's guest, go to our website at www.headheartbiztherapy.com slash podcast. Thanks to the Creative Imposter Studios for editing, and I'm your host, Sarah Buino. Until next time, bye-bye.